Chapter thirty three of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter thirty three. London from April till September, eighteen twenty two. Fountain of Jouvence, Muscogees and Seminoles, our camp. The natives of Florida have a legend that in the middle of one of their lakes lies an island inhabited solely by beautiful women. The Muscogees, they say, have often attempted its conquest, but this Eden vanishes before their canoes, an image of the chimeras which flee before the grasp of our desires. This island also contained a fountain of jouance, who desires to renew his life by a draught. These fables were very near assuming a kind of reality in my eyes. At a moment when we least expected it, we saw a flotilla of canoes leave a bay some rowed others with sails and make for our island which they soon reached the canoes contained two families of creek indians the one seminoles the other muscogees among the latter were a number of cherokees and bois brules i was struck with the elegance of these savages who bore no resemblance to those of canada the seminoles and muscogees are rather large fine-looking men but by an extraordinary contrast their mothers wives and daughters are the smallest race of women known in america the indian women who landed on our island belonged to a race of mingled cherokee and spanish blood and were tall two of them resembled the creoles of san domingo and the isle of france but had the delicate olive complexion of the women of the ganges these two floridans cousins on the father's side served as my models the one of atala the other of saluta but they excelled the sketches i have made of them in that variable and fugitive truth of nature those characteristics of race and climate which i have been unable thoroughly to depict there was an indescribable charm in the oval countenance the complexion over which a shade as of a light orange-coloured mist seemed cast the black soft hair the long eyes half concealed beneath their satin lids languidly lifted to allow a glimpse of them in short in the united seductions of the indian and the spaniard this meeting with our host caused some little change in our plans our trading agents began to inquire about horses and it was decided that we should go and encamp near the place where the horses were kept the plain on which our camp was established was covered with cattle horses bisons buffaloes cranes turkeys and pelicans these birds variegated the green pasture land with their white black and rose-coloured plumage the love affairs of the spaniards and the creek women formed the groundwork of many adventures and in these romances the bois brule played a principal part one story put into seminole verse under the name of tabamica was chanted in crossing the woods carried off in their turn by the colonists the indian women soon died neglected at pensacola and the tale of their misfortunes went to enlarge the romanceros and to be placed beside the lamentations of himena the two floridans ruins on the ohio the earth is a charming mother we owe existence to her in infancy she feeds us with milk and honey in youth and maturity she lavishes her cooling springs her harvests and fruits on us she offers us everywhere shade bath table and bed and when we die she receives us again to her bosom and clothes our remains in grass and flowers while she secretly transforms us into her own substance to reproduce us in some graceful form such were my thoughts when my opening eyes rested on the blue heaven the canopy of my couch the hunters were gone on their daily occupation and i remained alone with the women and the children I left not the side of my two sylvan goddesses the one was haughty the other sad i did not understand a word they said to me nor they one that i said to them 
but i fetched water for their bowl branches for their fire and moss for their bed they wore the spanish short petticoat and slashed sleeves the indian bodice and cloak their bare legs were wreathed with a kind of lace or fringe made from part of the birch tree they entwined their hair with bouquets or reeds and covered themselves with chains and collars of coloured glass from their ears hung purple seeds they had a pretty speaking parroquet bird of armida they fastened it to their shoulders after the manner of an emerald or carried it hooded on their hands as the great ladies of the tenth century used to carry the hawk to strengthen their breast and arms they rubbed themselves with the apaya or american cypress in bengal the bayadere chew the beetle and in the levant the almes suck the cheomastic the floridans crush between their transparent teeth the gum of the liquid amber and the root of the libanis which exhaled the mingled fragrance of angelica cedra and vanilla they lived in an atmosphere of perfumes emanating from themselves like orange trees and flowers in the pure effluence of their leaves and chalices i amused myself by adorning their heads with some wreath or ornament of my own invention they submitted in a sort of gentle alarm enchantresses themselves they imagined that i was performing some charm on them one of them the haughty one frequently prayed she appeared to me to be half a christian the other sang in a voice soft as velvet uttering every now and then a cry which thrilled the ear sometimes they spoke together with great animation i fancied i detected the accents of jealousy but the sad one wept and silence returned weak myself i sought examples of weakness as precedents had not Camerons loved a black slave of barbary in the indies and might not i offer homage in america to two orange-coloured sultanas had not Camerons addressed endechas or stanzas to barbara escrava had he not said to her aquella captiva que me tem captivo porque nella vivo ja nau quem que viva en nunque virosa em suaves molos que para meus olos fosse mais formosa preti dao de amor tau doce a figura que a neve he jura que trocara a cor leda mansidao que osiso accompania rem pareve estrania mas barbara now this captive who holds me captive because i live in her does not spare my life never was rose in a sweet nosegay so charming to my eyes her black hair inspires love her face is so sweet that the snow desires to change colour with her her gaiety is accompanied by reserve she is a stranger not a barbarian we made a fishing party the sun was near its setting the wood formed as it were three ranges the first composed of sassafras tulip-trees catalpas and oaks whose branches were clothed with white moss behind this first range rose the most beautiful of trees the papaya looking like a column of chased silver surmounted by a corinthian urn and highest of all waved the takamahaka the magnolia and the liquid amber the sun now sank behind this ridge of foliage a ray glancing beneath the tree-tops glittered like a set carbuncle on the dark leaves then diverging among the trunks and branches through widening streaks and changing arabesques on the turf at the feet of the trees were lilac bushes azaleas masses of bindweed with its flexible twisting branches overhead clouds in every variety of form some stationary like promontories or old towers others floating along like rosy mists or carded silk their successive transformations gave to view now as it were a fiery cavern mouth now a pile of burning coal now a river of lava the whole was resplendent radiant and golden bathed in the rich light after the insurrection in the morea in seventeen seventy 
Many Greek families took refuge in Florida. They might still imagine themselves in the climate of Ionia, which would seem to have become soft and voluptuous in proportion as men's passions gain the ascendancy. At Smyrna, in the evening, nature sleeps like one exhausted with excess of delight. To our right were some ruins belonging to the great fortifications discovered on the Ohio. To our left, an ancient camp of the Indians. The island on which we were, caught in the reflection of the wave, and reproduced by mirage, spread its double perspective before our eyes. To the east, the moon seemed to rest on the distant hills. To the west, the azure vault of heaven seemed to melt away into a sea of diamond and sapphire in which the sun, half-sunk, appeared to dissolve. All the animals of creation were awake and full of life. The earth in adoration seemed to offer incense to the sky, and the perfumes exhaled from it returned upon it in a refreshing dew, as a prayer returns on the head of him who prays. I quitted my companions and sat down near a thick clump of trees. Their shadow, here and there shot with rays of light, cast its protecting coolness over me. Fireflies glittered among the shrubs and were eclipsed when they issued into the moonbeams. The gentle murmuring flow of the lake fell on the air, with an occasional splash of a goldfish or cry of a wild duck. My eyes were fixed on the water, and I fell by degrees into the state of somnolency well known to men who travel much. No distinct recollection remained in my mind. I felt myself living and vegetating with nature in a kind of pantheism. I leaned against the trunk of a magnolia and fell asleep. My slumber was cradled, as it were, on a vague sea of hope. On awaking, I found the two Indians beside me. They had found me asleep, and not wishing to awaken me, had sat down silently, one on each side, and whether it was that they were really asleep or feigning to be so, their heads had fallen on my shoulders. A breeze passed through the thicket, and covered us with a shower of magnolia blossoms. The youngest of the Seminoles began to sing. Let no one who is not quite secure of his own firmness ever expose himself thus to danger. Passion, instilled through the voice of melody, increases tenfold in power. Suddenly a rude, jealous voice replied to these sweet accents. A bois brule called the two cousins, they trembled and rose. The dawn was beginning to appear in the east. I looked on a similar scene to this on the shores of Greece, though without an aspasia. I ascended the Parthenon with the dawn, and saw Cythera, Mount Hymetus, the Acropolis of Corinth, the tombs and the ruins, bathed in a transparent golden mist of light, reflected by the sea, and floating like a perfume on the zephyrs of Salamis and Delos. We performed our short voyage in silence. At midday the camp was broken up, to go and examine the horses, which the cricks wished to sell and the traders to buy. Women and children, all were called together as witnesses, as is their custom on great occasions of dealing, Horses of all ages and colours, colts and mares, bulls, cows and heifers, began to gallop about us. In the confusion I was separated from the cricks. A large group of horses and men was collected on the skirts of a wood, and suddenly I caught sight of my two Floridans among them. They were being lifted on two horses, and behind them mounted, without a saddle, a bois brule and a seminole. Oh, Sid, why had I not thy fleet steed, Babicha, to hasten after them? They rode off, and the immense squadron followed. The horses kicked, bounded, and neighed among the buffaloes and other cattle. Their feet met in the air, their tails and manes were bloody. A cloud of devouring insects enveloped this wild cavalcade, and my two Floridans vanished like the daughter of Ceres carried off by Pluto. Thus it is that everything in my life's history vanishes without trace or aim. I only retain dreams of all that has passed so swiftly. I shall descend to the Elysian fields accompanied by more shadows than ever man took with him before. The fault lies in my organization. I know not how to profit by any good fortune. 
I am interested in nothing that interests other men. Except in religion, I have no belief. Had my destiny made me a pastor or a king, what should I have done with my crozier or my sceptre? I should have become equally weary of fame and genius, of labour and ease, of prosperity and adversity. Everything wearies me. I am troubled to perceive how my days are weighed down with ennui, and I go about yawning away my life. End of chapter 33